Successful business is made up of lots of successful wins. To win the game of life, you need to know the instructions of the game. Welcome to the Conquer Your Mountains Week 3 podcast titled The Rules of Winning in Life and Business. We will explore how you can execute winning plans within the boundaries that you face. Today's episode is all about understanding the do's and don'ts so that your plans for the year succeed. If you are following the Conquer Your Mountains reading plan, you are in week three that has the exciting name of Leviticus based on the book about laws and rules. Today I'm excited to have Jonathan Miller joining me. Jonathan is a chartered accountant and over the past 20 years he has held various senior leadership positions such as head of finance. Currently and for the last 10 years he is a private wealth manager of a boutique investment company that provides investment, cash and risk planning, retirement and tax planning, as well as estate and trustee services. Jonathan is skilled at creating wealth in a highly regulated environment and is therefore the perfect guest for our episode today, where we'll be discussing how to implement winning plans in the game of business. In this game, the rules are defined by our industry, our competitors, our customers, regulators, and most importantly, ourselves. We'll be exploring questions like how to understand the limits that you need to operate in, how to deal with curveballs, and how to set boundaries. So welcome, Jonathan. Hey, Manda, it's lovely to uh, be on this call with you. Um, and yeah, it's a good way to start the year. Thank you. Let's dive in. Yeah, Jonathan, when you decide to do something like flying, you quickly realize that there are some natural laws that you need to overcome, such as the law of gravity. In the quest to create financial success and wealth, what are some of the laws that we need to understand? <laughs> oh, thanks, Manda. Yeah, I, I, I spent a little bit of time thinking through that question. And um yeah, it's amazing, and I know this is a biblical book, so it is wonderful to just to know because often we think that finance and wealth is not really the realm of the Bible, and we kind of sort of steer away and lean towards, uh, you know, sort of secular thinking or what the media says, and yet the Bible actually does have incredible verses and incredible stories on managing your finance, managing your wealth, um, and so so several years ago. Uh, I did a I did a very basic course uh, called the Crown Financial Ministries course, um, and then obviously I think for our international visits and uh, listeners they would understand David Ramsey's kind of work and uh, the, you know the, the incredible financial work uh, based on Christian principles and God's view of finance. And so there are some very basic rules, um, and I'll just list a couple of them. Yeah, time really matters. I think really in the world of finance, time matters. And in a world where people want quick results and quick success and quick returns, uh, the the consistency of 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 uh, interest and the consistency of returns makes a significant uh, difference. And so the earlier uh, people are able to start saving and investing, and the longer that they can do that for, it's incredible 
able to see the impact of of uh, the compound interest and, and of return. So, so the first thing I'd really say to clients is time really matters. And and if you do something consistently and you keep just doing the same things over and over, it has a massive impact uh, ultimately over time. And we see that in, in other things, not just finance. You know, if we have a look at, at our health, if we, you know, we, we go through these moments where we have a crash diet and we try to lose, you know, lose weight or we really want to get fit quite quickly. And yet, actually, it's just those marginal changes of just running a little bit more and eating a little bit less, but doing it consistently day in, day out. Um, and that has the biggest impact on our health. And the same as with finance. You know, if we just consistently do the right thing, uh, we save a little bit more, we cut down our expenses a bit more, um, we give a little bit more. Um, it's in incredible how over time those small decisions and those small actions actually have large impact. So there's kind of two rules there. The one is time really matters and, and consistency matters. Uh, one of the big rules in finance is that diversification matters. Um, you know, scripture even scripture even references sort of having eggs in one basket as a horrible paraphrase. But we we often uh, some of the biggest investment failures is where clients and investors have put all their money into one scheme or into one one asset. Um, one share. This is going to be the thing that changes their life. And we sort of see it nowadays with cryptocurrencies and kind of YouTube fads. Um, but actually one of the one of the ways to avoid that massive pitfall is through this process of diversifying one's assets. And, and you do that by diversifying the different asset classes and they, you diversify uh, maybe between different asset managers and uh, different institutions. And, and that way there's a level of safety within uh, within your investments. Yeah, yeah, that, that's so true. And I like what you said about consistency. Um, there's no get rich quick scheme. Uh, you might find it occasionally, but if it's too good to be true, it's probably not true. Um, yeah. And I do yeah. to resonate with that uh, rule of being patient and and also diversifying. Yeah, then no, no, I think I think those are some of those are probably my my personal three big lessons that I've learned in the finance game and unfortunately sometimes they learn through experience right um i mean personally uh, lost a significant amount of money just being in one one asset and in one asset provider and couldn't couldn't get your wealth out of there uh, whereas and it was it was also based on this phenomenal sets of returns and it's going to happen so quickly um, and just by actually rather have taken an approach of a diversified portfolio, um, not taking away having lots of equity and uh, being exposed to different uh, sort of good industries, um, I, th I would have avoided that risk entirely. Um, yeah, so I think those lessons are important. And also seeing the impact of some of our younger uh, clients come through the door and amazing, you know, the, the influence of just making wise choices in your 20s or even in your student days has a significant impact in your 40s and in your 50s where suddenly, uh, you know, the real power of compounding is beginning to happen for clients. Um, and yeah, 
And then I guess, sorry, I have added another one, um, just a huge aversion to debt. And, and, and really, I think it's, it's, it's something where uh, society in general has a huge reliance on short-term debt to bail them out of issues. Um, and the problem with debt is you owe somebody else money. Uh, there's relatively high interest to be paid, and the cost of that debt is is uh, is not just the interest that you paid, but it's the fact that you can't utilize that money to do other things. You can't invest that money. You can't uh, sow that money. You can't spend it on other stuff. And so, there's good debt and bad debt, um, but short-term debt that doesn't have an underlying asset. Uh, is is probably uh, the downfall of many many a person. And uh, anyway, but we could spend an entire session on debt. <laughs> so, so I guess the converse uh, rule of that is long-term debt that is linked to an asset that creates value. Definitely, definitely. So I've I've you know I've just touched on it, but uh, in in my world, uh, I would view good debt as it is as 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 debt that is in effect utilised to purchase an asset, uh, be it a home, uh, a second commercial property, uh, something like along those lines. Um, and even within that world, uh, you you really do need to be very aware of the covenants that come with debt. You need to be aware uh, of sort of uh, scenario planning that debt. What happens if my tenant needs to move out? What happens if the interest rates move up? Uh, what happens if there's a major incident to my assets? Can I uh, be able to, or can I continue to save? Can I continue to look after my portfolio should that event happen? Um, and uh, I, have, I have a lovely saying in, in with debt is nobody realizes who's swimming in naked until the tide runs out. And often that is where people really haven't thought through that. And so they haven't protected the risk and they haven't protected themselves. So when uh, asset, asset prices crash or come down, and they do, asset prices will at certain times do that. When somebody is highly leveraged, where they have too much debt on their books, uh, they can end up basically losing everything, and 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 we've seen that through the financial crisis. We've seen it uh, potentially in periods of COVID, and it comes to a little bit of the week four. Is how do we think through? How do we plan for the future? And you've touched a bit on my next question around dealing with curveballs. Um, and curveballs happen in the financial world more often than we want them to happen. We do see life as black and white, but in reality, it's gray and there's a lot of fuzziness and things don't go according to plan. What are the other curveballs that you've come across in your wealth creation work where you've literally stood back and thought, oh, hey, I wasn't expecting that? And how <laughs> do you overcome them? Yeah, I think, I mean, the industry is as old as, as, as humans, uh, you know, we've always been interested in finance and we've used it as a way of representing value and, and currency. So so these curveballs, as though we think they knew, they've been a millennia old. Uh, and I think one of the simplest way to deal with massive curveballs is this concept of insurance. And people have an aversion to insurance because they say, well, I keep paying this money, but I never 
get any benefit from it. Um, and ultimately, insurance is just me, you, and another hundred people in the room sharing a, a guaranteed risk that one of us is going to have, but we just don't know who it is. And so we, in effect, risk is a lovely way we of, uh, well, insurance is a good way of ensuring that those curveballs are kind of dealt with. So I'm, I'm dealing with sort of uh, curveballs around sort of financial loss and and you can ensure if there's a risk, you can ensure it. Um, and the, the second side of that is, you know, you, you don't want to be over-insuring because you actually do need to at the same time uh, be investing. And then the second one that I've kind of just written a quick notes here around this black and white, um, you know, in, in the modern world, we have this propensity to create rule books and rule books on how to how to to govern human behavior, and and ultimately, uh, it's it rule books arise because people defrauded other people or big mistakes were made, and so we kind of try to create more rules that then hopefully uh, stop us doing or stop the system falling over. And ultimately, where the gray comes in is that sort of black and white are these rules, but actually it really comes back to our own compass, our own set of character, our own set of right and wrong. Um, and ultimately, if we can live in that space, and I'm not saying we, we ignore the rule books, but 99% of the time I've found that if I do things ethically, if I do things with my clients uh, uh, at, at the fore and center, if I'm doing things with their best interests at heart, um, I've ultimately achieved that rule book without, uh, you know, without having to do this tick back exercise. So, so really, what I'm trying to say is, is have your character, have all those things at the forefront, and typically then this black and white will be dealt with. Um, and it's not always like that. I do realize there's still lots of paper to be filled, and it's the bane of my life. Um, but ultimately, a lot of the risk then goes away. It's when we start to flirt with these rules, uh, where we try to sort of cut the corners as close as we can, that ultimately we get wiped out by those curveballs because we've really just pushed the boundaries. Yeah, so that's that's my, my thoughts on those ones, Mandla. I like what you said about insurance, and I think we can extend the concept of, of insurance into every type of investment. Um, mm. I see insurance as your lines of defense. Um, yes. You've got your business and there's some things that you'll deal with yourselves as part of your first line of defense. If you lose a key customer or yeah, if, if you talk about the rental asset example, if a tenant moves, you know that you'll run around and quickly find another client. And then there'll be some incidents where you need other lines of defense where you'll need to call upon a third party to step in and help you mitigate loss. I think the most dreadful line of defense is where things go absolutely wrong and mm. you've lost the investment. Uh, it's the ability to lean on other investments, which is the diversification that you mentioned, uh, but mm -hmm. also being able to bounce back and say, hey, I, I've still got these talents I can still make the money back in this other manner. And those yeah. are all lines of defense that we have against loss. 
Yes. Yeah. And I think I, I couldn't agree with more. I, you know, when we typically sit with a client for the first time, uh, you know, clients are always so interested in investments and, uh, you know, you know, which share should we be going in and where should we be putting our money offshore, et cetera. And yet you are totally correct. That first line of defense is often not in place uh, because it's not exciting. It's not, you know, it just doesn't, it feels a bit boring and it just feels like a bit of a waste of money. Um, but I can promise you one thing is, is when, when it all falls down, you really want to just make sure that that first line of defense is in place because um, it doesn't matter how sexy your investments are unless it's there um, you, you know you basically would would lose most things um, and that goes for for many lines of defense it might be in your medical world it might be looking after the assets in your home it might be literally looking after your income and, and how you earn your salary and sort of protecting that um, yeah there's lots of lines of defense or even uh, the ultimate when we pass away uh, we don't want to leave a burden upon our families and our kids um, and and we can then have life insurance that would at least ease that uh, that that moment and make sure that they looked after and you leave some level of inheritance or some sort of legacy I really don't want the legacy to my wife being that she needed to deal with a pile of admin and debt I think she, yeah it wouldn't be a fond memory well, that's great Jonathan you, you've really touched on the very last line of defense that we or face at some point in our lives. Um, and one last question before we close the podcast. Um, I found that in our drive to succeed, we set rules for ourselves, uh, which we call our boundaries. And without boundaries, our plans can easily get derailed. Uh, how do you manage boundaries that are important to you, the boundaries that make sure that you stay steadfast in your course to create uh, financial success? Mm. So I, I spent some time many years ago, you know, I, th I think we get caught up in being busy and all of us are busy, busy people. And, and often we're busy with some really silly things, you know, we sort of, and, and the, the, the reason we get busy is because we feel like we've achieved something by ticking boxes. So we'll sort of tick the box of compliance or we'll tick the box of clearing my emails or click the, click, click the box of uh, getting things done. Um, but ultimately, what we need to, do, to sort of have the dichotomy is what is urgent? What are these things that keep popping up in my life? And actually, what are the things that are really important? And the things with things that are important is often then don't have deadlines attached to them. Uh, they don't have some level of urgency upon them. And so we kind of keep pushing them away. And actually, things that are important to us are maybe our financial well-being or they are business plans that we've had or they are, you know, uh, kind of the guardrails that you talk about is how th things that I want to do with my life. Um, and yet they can be taken away by things that become bring this busyness into our life and so I literally just created a little matrix for myself that's urgent important and ultimately there's things that are really urgent and important and unfortunately tax returns are urgent and important I need to get those done um, if I've left them too late um, I need to really make sure that you know that I don't get those things late or bond repayments
important but potentially not as urgent thing are my business plans, my getting my will done, um, making sure that I spend enough time with my kids. And so I really need to, so I kind of write a list for myself, the beginning of a week, beginning of a month, and just make sure that I'm pushing those and then actually creating space within my calendar to make sure that those things are done. Because um, I think those are the guardrails that we need. The you know we we have we only have certain a limited resource of time uh, given to us, and so uh, the best way to manage it is to manage our time, and 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 therefore sort of pushing those important things near the top and actually creating space to do them, uh, makes sure that we actually get these things done. Otherwise, we may find we're very busy. We feel like we've done a lot of things, but actually we haven't been effective. Uh, in actually getting these big tickets tickets over the line. Anyway, that's what I do. Uh, not always consistently as I'd like to, but it uh, it has been helpful to me. Yeah, that's perfect, Jonathan. And I like how you've taken the conversation full circle where you started talking about the importance of time in terms of investment uh, management. Uh, and you've ended with the uh, importance of managing our time from a boundary perspective which helps us to stay true to the course that we're on. So yeah, that's very insightful. Thank you very much. And Jonathan, if uh, listeners want to contact you, if they require professional advice, uh, are there any contact details that you'd like to share or is there a website link that they can uh, access your services on? Awesome. Yeah, Mandela, we're based um, out of Cape Town here in South Africa. Uh, we have recently updated our website. It's gda.co.za. Uh, uh, so that's gda.co.za. And I'm Jonathan. Uh, please drop us a line. We'd love to, to be in touch. Um, but yeah, thank you for the opportunity. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, love your book, love what you've created. And I love that you finally got, got it down on paper. Well done. Thank you. Uh, we will end the podcast with an extract from my book, Conquer Your Mountains, week three. And I'm reading from page 27. It is natural that we put rules in place, impose them on ourselves and others. Rules make life simpler to navigate when we try to see it in black and white, without a kaleidoscope of rainbow-like possibilities. The crossing of our chosen boundaries can trigger us into a rage or depression. Let us not hold back our freedom with a cage of our own making. <laughs>